dare to self-care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber and your host of this podcast, where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self-care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our community. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hmm, I don't think you heard that, but a honk went off right when I said hello. So welcome to New York. I just finished a Melissa Wood health flow, so I'm feeling a little zen. I'm really happy I squeezed that in. It's been any day where I have to edit Shelby's vlogs. I just like zone out for hours and I I don't know. I feel like I just spend more time inside. So I have also rumble tonight where I'm I've been picking up more shifts. So I usually only work morning shifts because as we've spoken about in the past, that's just what made most sense for me. But ever since I quit PR, I'm feeling just like I should be picking up some more shifts. So anyway, long story short, I didn't think I was going to be able to squeeze a workout in, but I just got in 15 minutes of Melissa Wood Health and I'm feeling great. So let's start with what was in alignment for us this week. For me, I finally started with Parsley Health this past week. So I'm just excited for that. I had one appointment with my primary care doctor. I just felt really heard. It was a full hour of like, even just talking about my family's history, my emotional history, like she knows so much about me at this point. It's crazy. And so I'm going to get a bunch of tests done with her. And then this week is my first health coach session with Parsley. So I will keep you posted on that as well. I stopped working in PR. My last day was Thursday. So it just feels like the start of a new chapter. And I'm really excited. And I'm also getting re-inspired with YouTube because I now have more time and like I'm making this new change to really commit to social media again. I have been thinking about YouTube strategy and I feel like I always felt like, you know, one vlog a week, but really it should be mainly like workout reviews and concept videos. And honestly, the more I just watch Rachel Rocky's vlogs, she vlogs, oh, that's all she does, just vlogs almost every day, honestly. And I feel like I can just follow along her life and same with Julia and Hunter. And I don't know, that's what I'm attracted to right now. And I feel like it, I feel like my channel would almost do better if I just started doing that and like uploaded two to three vlogs a week. And it was just like keeping up with me. And I still do all my self care tips and trying out workouts and all that kind of stuff, but in more vlog format. I think my workout reviews are so helpful because they're jam packed with information, but, and I'll still do those, but I just think I want to start vlogging like a lot more now that I have the time to turn them around more quickly. Um, so let me know what you guys think. If you either watch my videos or other people's just like as a viewer, I feel like it would be way easier for me to juggle everything and keep up with everything. And it would just be less pressure as I'm building four platforms at once. And I also just feel like that would help me with growth, honestly. I feel like that's where it's at these days. So 
let me know what you want to see. I do notice every time I post things like that, people vote on my polls that they want to see more productive vlogs. So I just feel like that's the way to go. So let me know your thoughts. Out of alignment for me this week, I just still really don't feel good, to be honest. Between my low blood sugar, I had really extreme stomach pains last week. I had to take a SIBO test, which is something we talk about in this episode with Isabel. You'll get to know the test, what it is and all that stuff. But I took the test this week and to prepare for the test, I could only have white rice, chicken and eggs. That's all I ate all day. And I had extreme stomach pain. So I mean, it's clearly like a digestive issue at this point. Um, And then I also have like constant shoulder pain after workout. So I'm just still not feeling well, but we're working on it. We're working on getting all the tests done. We're moving in the right direction. And I'm just so committed at this point. Like the second I get the doctor's order for what blood work to go get done, I'm going. So I'm excited for the first health coach session. I'm excited to get my SIBO results and get my blood work done and just like make some progress. So that's that. Let's breathe in what was in alignment for us this week and breathe out what was out of alignment for us this week. <sighs> okay, let's intro the guest of this week. Isabel is a two-time guest here on Dare to Self-Care. She is the founder of Good Gut Feelings. Her mission is to help girls with stomach issues live confidently. So she started her Instagram as a creative outlet in 2017 after graduating college because she was working a tech job and she just needed to let out her creativity somewhere. And she's been working on this business as a health coach as a side hustle ever since. And then she officially quit her fancy tech job in winter of 2021, which we dive a lot more into in the first episode that we have together on this podcast. And we spoke about, you know, going with your gut and how to know when it's time to quit and all that kind of stuff. So she's a certified health coach specializing in helping you heal your gut helping with IBS problems through mindful living and lifestyle changes. In this episode, we dive into it all. We talk about how she helps clients with their gut health. We even did like a kind of a live session talking about my IBS issues and what she would have me do as next steps. If she were coaching me, her thoughts on the low FODMAP diet, how to actually cure IBS and get to the root cause of your stomach issues, the role that mindfulness and spirituality plays in all of this and manifestation, test recommendations, SIBO, how to treat SIBO naturally instead of taking prescription medicine, truly just all things stomach issues and mindfulness. And it was incredible. So if you struggle with stomach issues like me, you will love this episode. Isabel's amazing. If you're watching on Spotify, once you click play, you will see a video playing right now. And if you are there, you can click the three dots on the page of Dare to Self-Care. Click rate this show. Rate it five stars. It is beyond helpful. It will support me, support the show, and it just takes a second. So thank you so much. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Isabel, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to do this again. I'm so excited. So actually, let's I always end up like forgetting if I jump in too soon. So let's start with your top self-care tip that's played a role in your success. I'm curious if it's changed. I was actually thinking about this and 
self-care tips are so funny to me because so much of me wants to be like something simple and actionable, Mm -hmm. but just me being me, mine's actually a little bit more like mindset oriented. So (laughs) if this isn't like the easiest thing to do, but (laughs) um, between leaving my nine to five, working with people every single day, being a coach, having a podcast, and now teaching yoga, something that I've realized is that I'm so often giving my energy and like giving so much of myself every single day to other people in the most fulfilling way ever. But something that has made a huge difference in my self-care is actually leaning into like stillness and rest and not being an asshole to myself when I like just need to veg out on the couch and let my brain like decompress. Um, So that's like a really simple mindset switch because I think so many of us do rest anyway, but what I've noticed, especially in working with clients and just talking with other women about this is we have such a tendency to be so mean to ourselves when we are still, when we do need rest. Um, And it's been the most restorative thing for me to like lean into with compassion. So right now I would say that's my biggest tip. Especially living in New York City like we do, I think it's not only the hustle and bustle, but it's like it's so easy to just be there for someone or to go do something with someone when they're asking you to. And it's almost like if you just want to have a night in, it's like you you feel like you can't just be like, oh, actually, I just like want to hang in or like I don't want to get coffee. I want to like relax and watch Housewives or whatever. It's like it's so easy to just meet up with people and do things and network and whatever. And it's like it's hard to just allow yourself to sit and rest in such an easily accessible city like New York. A hundred percent. And something that I think has come up between my friends and I a lot is that even stepping foot outside in New York, like you're never alone. There's noise, Mm -hmm. there's people. um, And even if you don't go out and meet a friend or something, you're constantly being influenced by the outside energy of the world. There's very little stillness here. So coming back to kind of like your grounded center requires you really having good boundaries to make that happen. Yeah, I want to, there's so much else I want to talk to you about, but just like quickly, I've been thinking a lot about boundaries recently and just, I mean, I kind of just touched on it a second ago too. It's like, it's so easy to just meet up with people here. It's hard to just be like, I actually don't, I want to do nothing today. I want to do nothing tonight. Or I want to like, for example, I started, do you follow or know Lacey Phillips at all? Yes. Yes. I'm a huge fan of her. Oh, have you done like any of her workshops or anything? I've been subscribed to her membership for like three years. Oh, fuck. Another thing I need to talk to you about now. (laughs) (laughs) I just have a lot to cover today. So much. I just started the pathway two weeks ago. Literally, I'm on like the how to manifest intro workshop. And I just like I know in my gut and my soul, there are things that I need to uncover before I can like reach Mm. any of my goals. And what my point of this was, (laughs) my point was, it's like, I just sometimes want to take an hour to do that. But being in a city like this and, and being on call consistently, it's like, how do you just set that boundary and be like, I actually for even even if it's not with other people, like with yourself, it's like setting a boundary mm-hmm. with yourself where it's like, you need to stop doing other things, even like watching TV or doing actual work. It's like, and do something for your soul because in a city like New York, it's just so loud all the time. To your point, it's hard to just be still and be alone because it's it's nearly impossible. It's like you have to set the boundaries and make the time. And I think 
how you were saying be kind to yourself. It's like something I struggle with is how can I set boundaries without feeling like a bitch? And it's not just other people. It's also how can I not be a bitch to myself and set boundaries with myself? A hundred percent. And you know, it's funny because I know that we're here today to talk about like gut health and all of that kind of stuff. But what we will probably uncover over the course of this podcast is that so much of it does come back to this. I talk about Lacey Phillips and the principles that she teaches behind boundaries, inner child work, shadow work in literally all of my gut health content. It is my favorite piece of it to talk about because we underestimate how important the nervous system is. And a lot of her work helps to, you know, a lot of it can be quite painful because you're looking at kind of the scariest pieces of what made you who you are. But the more that you're familiar with and have awareness about the full picture of who you are and how you're moving through the world and receiving information and acting in your relationships, the safer your nervous system starts to feel over time, which then directly translates to health on so many levels, gut health, immune system. You know, there's so many places that our nervous system controls or at least contributes to. So while we can talk about like the FODMAPs and the diet and the supplements and all of that, this is actually my favorite piece of the gut health puzzle. Do you find that your clients get a little frustrated or like (laughs) resistant when instead of saying, take the supplement, you're like, you need to change, you need to calm down. <laughs> like, do you find oh my that God, you ever find like resistance? Yeah, I would assume it's, so. It's, it's so like- funny. Yeah. You're asking people to do deep work and people want to buy a supplement. People want to, but like, you know, I, I'm so proud of you and where you are because one of the first things I tell people is like, you should explore this work. So the fact that you're navigating gut health issues and are also simultaneously diving into all of that kind of back end neural rewiring stuff is such a good step. Um, And to be fair, you know, it's about 50% of the equation of the conversation. A lot of people really want to stay in the diet supplements, um, kind of topical things, and that can get you pretty far, but it can only get you so far. It, that also comes with a lot of, you know, dietary restrictions, lifestyle interruptions, lugging all your pills with you everywhere. And that piece is really important to understand and to know about so that you can support how your digestive system like actually works, which is great. I have an entire course about the basics. It's called the good gut fundamentals. Um, You know, I'm a firm believer of understand the food, understand why certain foods might irritate your stomach that like you weren't quite expecting. Um, But once you have a good handle on that, it then becomes about lifestyle management. Cool, I have all this information and knowledge, how do I create consistent habits in my life to apply this stuff? Um, Navigating gut health really is, let me say navigating IBS really is Mm -hmm. um, a commitment to a lifestyle change. And eventually, you know, you start looking at the habits and I think so many of us will resonate with this. You want to implement a new habit and it sticks for like three weeks and you're like, God damn it, why can't I stick to this thing? There's so much kind of under the surface that stops us from being able to execute. Maybe you're a people pleaser. Maybe you're a perfectionist. Maybe you really, really need control on a lot of things. Maybe throughout life, you've been the like, cool girl, I don't give a fuck personality so that nobody can hurt you first. Um, Mm -hmm. There are all of these kind of masks that we wear that stop us from making significant lifestyle changes that ultimately do support our overall health and well-being. And that is the pocket where there's so little support 
which is why I love doing what I do. You know, you get the medical support from your doctor, the dietary support from your nutritionist or registered dietitian. But when those changes feel really fucking difficult, Mm -hmm. I like sitting with people in the why. And that, you know, is such a special place because when people are willing to stay there, that's where so much magic happens. Um, But to your point, a lot of people just want to stay in the like, can I eat this banana? And I'm like, okay, right. well, I, I'm happy to do that with you. But like, eh, that's only going to get you so far. Yeah, it's also it's hard. It's hard to make this not only the time, but like the space. Mm-hmm. We're all I mean, especially for people like us, like just hustling and in New York City. And it's hard to just sit down and do the work outside of like the lifestyle and the diet changes, but like the deep inner work. But I I do love that you place such an emphasis on it. And that was such a great description of why it is so important. And they do go hand in hand. And it's so fucking annoying that we have to do this much work on on ourselves, but it's true. And I really want to like go into that. So when you're working with someone, do you start with the why and the deep inner work and then get into the other stuff? Or is it like hand in hand at the same time? Because it can all, as we're saying, be overwhelming. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. So when I started doing this, I was a consultant. I quit my job last time we talked, March, like Mm -hmm. almost exactly a year ago. And I started working with women on the food piece of the puzzle. I would do, you know, review their health journals. We would do education about why certain things might not work for them. I would let people know about supplements to talk to their doctors about things that might help and play a part in that team. And that was all really well and good. I created a course with all of the information that I found myself repeating over and over. This is how your digestion works. This is what a FODMAP is. Here are non-FODMAP food triggers. Here are like all of these certain things that could be contributing to the physical. But at a certain point, what matters most to me is talking about all of the underlying stuff that we just talked about. And I don't think women are given a space to explore that in the traditional care that we get, whether that's with your functional medicine doctor, your actual gastroenterologist, your primary care physician, whatever. And so what I think my role really is as a coach is supporting people in the in-between. And I have the background to be able to talk about the nitty gritty, the food stuff, the supplements, all of that. Those questions inevitably come up all the time. And what's important for me is helping my clients and my community have peace of mind in the food stuff. Like, can I have one of my favorite things to do is debunk myths. Like I'll get people in my Mm -hmm. DMs all the time. Should I take this supplement? Doesn't really work. Can I eat this food? And it gives like I I really love helping provide peace of mind around all of the noise out there about the food stuff. It's not where I stay when working with clients one-on-one, but it's certainly something that we are able to go into as often as we need to. My philosophy, last thing I'll say about this, is making sure that your day-to-day symptoms are under control as much as possible so that you have the actual energy to look at the the, stuff below the surface. That makes a lot of sense, which I want to get into. I feel like just when you were mentioning like people coming into your your DM saying, can I eat this? Can I have this? Like, there are so many just like gut health recipe Instagrams and and I'm like, oh, perfect. This is this is exactly what I need to be eating to heal my gut. And then I'm like sitting in a ball with a huge stomach ache from the meal that I just made oh from the gosh. gut health Instagram. Yeah. And it's like all of our bodies are different. So how do you handle 
giving advice when every single person is so different. Is there any like general advice that does work for everyone, whether it is like a supplement or bone broth or a lifestyle change, like workouts? Is there anything that generally does, you know, apply to everyone or is it just so individual? Yeah. Um, that's a fantastic question. Um, short answer, yes, there are several things that apply to everybody. Um, I like the reason I made the course that I made was because here are the things that literally everyone needs to know, no matter what your unique body and journey looks like. That being said, the thing that I think stops people from even being able to receive that information is the way that people, and, and this is nobody's fault, it's just the landscape of wellness and the way that health information is distributed right now, sometimes disinformation, whatever, whatever the word is, misinformation. <laughs> the one thing that if I could take like a big cast iron skillet and bop everybody over the head and be like, please don't forget this. Mm -hmm. The conversation about IBS, so your typical you know, constipation, diarrhea, bloating, discomfort, pain, nausea, heartburn, IBS is very, very different than the conversation about gut health. And I think that yes. that's where a lot of people get confused because you can navigate your IBS and heal your IBS and then work on restoring your gut health, which is the um, diversity of your gut microbiome and just you know incorporating more fruits and vegetables is the best thing you can do in the name of gut health. However, most people who are talking about gut health are not talking to people with IBS. And this is what I need everybody to remember. When you see a gut health tip that's like, eat 30 different fruits and vegetables a week, increase your fiber, all of these things are really brilliant for gut health. For somebody who's navigating IBS, they might cause a ton of symptoms. Um, and I love making this distinction and reminding people of this because it's almost like the permission slip that people you know, like you just said, like I tried this recipe for gut health. I was curled up in a ball three hours later. I don't understand why it's not working. It's not working because a lot of information targeted towards gut health is targeted towards your average everyday person who's relatively healthy, doesn't necessarily have gut issues and wants to work on strengthening their microbiome, which has so many benefits in and of itself. We love the journey of gut health. But the journey of navigating and eventually healing or, you know, putting into remission, quote unquote, IBS is a very different process. It does feel like most women specifically deal with IBS these days. Am I crazy? Am I just like involved in the community? But I feel like everyone I know has, quote unquote, stomach issues or IBS. And I personally think I'm curious your thoughts on this because a few people have come on and said this. IBS is like when your GI just can't find anything specifically wrong. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you have IBS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like we all are dealing with this bloating, this gas, and it's all it feels like mostly women and it feels like a hormonal issue as well. Yeah, I you're not crazy. Um, it's <laughs> entirely true. I think disproportionately women experience IBS two thirds more often than men do. Um, and women, gosh, there are so many theories behind this. Of course, there are no research studies, particularly as to why hormones for sure have an influence, um, for sure. 
will doctors often tell you that? I don't know. Um, but you know, as women, I think we all know that, um, people will often see their IBS symptoms get worse around their period. Um, that's part of the process. I have a lot of theories about why I think women struggle with stomach issues. Um, one of my friends, Claudia on TikTok, I am pretty sure she started this like trope that's hot girls with stomach issues. She oh is God. an absolute gem. I need gem. to follow. I need to follow. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. So a lot of people are kind of jumping on this trend and I see so much hot girls with stomach issues content on TikTok. And I love all of them. I love all of my hot girls with stomach issues. I did when I launched my podcast, my first podcast episode was why hot girls have stomach issues and has nothing to do with the way that you look. It has nothing to do with you being like fitting the like conventional, like bullshit beauty standards. What I think it really is, is the societal box boxes that women feel like we have to fit ourselves into for our entire lives. And at a certain point, I think all of the masks that we wear to protect ourselves catch up with us. I mentioned a couple of them earlier, you know, the people pleaser, the perfectionist, the person who's always available to be the helper, the fixer, the super chill girl, the girl who's able to like be at every single event, overextending herself, can't say no. Um, All of those people. Yeah. These (laughs) are all all of them (laughs) that we become or that we're kind of convinced to become, I think, through today's world. Um, And at a certain point, it just taps you out. Your nervous system is exhausted. The stories that you're telling yourself in your head about you not being good enough, you needing to work harder, you know, this person hates you, the anxiety, it just is really rampant right now. And I think that it's an accumulation of so much of what's been going on the past couple of decades. And I think women are fucking exhausted. And I think so many people's nervous systems are at capacity. And what that when that happens, you see the degradation of so many systems in your body. There's so many more autoimmune conditions flaring up, so many more instances of IBS, so many more hormonal issues. I think this all often boils back down to lifestyle and the way that we are allowing our nervous systems and the way we think about ourselves and the lack of boundaries to just kind of be like uncontained. And it's something I don't think a lot of people want to think about because everyone's like, well, I'm, you know, doing all of these things. I'm working really hard. I'm working out. I'm eating healthy. I'm sleeping pretty poorly. Um, but I, I don't want to fix anything because I'm on the path I'm supposed to be on, but I just feel like shit on this yeah. path. Um, so of course there's so much to unravel there, but that's my, I was going to say two cents, but that's my like $20. <laughs> I personally relate with that. Cause I'm like, there's so much good in my life and I love the path I'm going. And I, it's frustrating for someone like me who I care so much about my mental health and my physical health. Mm-hmm. I work out all the time. I'm trying, I'm like, I meditate. I do all of these things to feel good and then I eat and I feel like shit. So it's like infuriating and everything you're saying is resonating so much with me. So can we get to like, I guess the healing part of it? Like where, how does your typical one-on-one session go? I'm the client, like 
someone who comes in and says, I'm, I feel like I'm doing all the right things, yeah. but I have no idea what food makes me feel good, what habits make me actually feel good in my stomach. Yeah. I would ask you a couple of questions. First and foremost, I'm sorry. I know how uncomfortable it is. I know how much it fucking sucks. You are not alone. There will be answers out there that work for you. I wish I could say that it's a magic pill or a super quick fix, um, but oftentimes the timeline's a lot longer than we want it to be. Um, That being said, there is no timeline. A lot of times it'll feel like two steps forward, one step back, three back, you know, all of these things. So it's, first and foremost about data collection about yourself and taking a really good look at what is working for you and what's not working for you. So something that you said that stuck out to me is you feel like you're doing all of the right things. Um, What I would ask you is what does that mean? What are the right things that you're doing? So just in terms of my mental health and physical health, I work out four to five times a week. I, which, and I know I, I spoke about this with you outside of the podcast, but I'm trying to take down my HIT classes and do more mm-hmm. low impact or just strength training without as much HIT because I find that I do feel more inflamed and bloated when I'm doing too much like high impact exercise or cardio. Um, I do Kundalini breath work every morning. I try. Love. Whenever love my so clients much. tell me they do Kundalini, I'm like, you fucking go girl. You are taking. Because it's the it's- breath work. It's the yes. meditation. It's yes. all of it in one. I love the- it. Yeah. The nervous system activation from that is like, yes. Okay, great. So Kundalini, um, I try to drink water before I drink my coffee. It doesn't always happen. Um, (laughs) I'm not really doing all the right things. Um, Working out, what else? I try to make sure I'm getting at least seven hours of sleep a night. doesn't always happen again, but I'm like, I prioritize it. I put the salt Mm. lamp on. I try to put my sound healing on to like wind down. So in that sense, I'm doing all the right things to feel my best mentally. And then um, with food, I don't know what the fuck I am doing. I'm trying to eat conventionally healthy while also figuring out like, okay, honestly, carbs feel really good on me more than vegetables do. Mm -hmm. So let's eat more of like a quinoa pasta instead of a huge bowl of vegetables. Like I try, Mm -hmm. but it's just... And I can tell it's lifestyle too. It's not just food. Like I can tell when I'm more stressed, I'm more bloated. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I mean by that, I guess. Like I try yeah. so hard to just like figure it out and do what I think makes me feel good. And then I'm just always back to square one. And yeah, I take magnesium a- every night. We love magnesium. It sounds like you're taking really beautiful care of yourself, which is awesome. Um, Those things are often some of the hardest changes to get people to make. So it's really great that you are making those. Um, Before I ask you, you know, what's not working in terms of food, um, we talked about this privately, but just so that people kind of get an idea of what's going Mm -hmm. on, what are the symptoms that you're dealing with? Gas and bloating are like the Mm. number one for sure. I go back and forth between constipation and diarrhea. It's mainly mm-hmm. constipation. I'm not, and to be clear, not constipation in the fact that I, like like I'm regular, I'm going every day, um, but just like according to the Bristol stool chart, it's yes, yes, you know. Um, but as I've gotten more consistent with magnesium again, I've been good on that front. Um. It's just like not always not feeling great. And like I work yeah. out all the time, but yet like I my stomach looks like I'm pregnant. So and like I just feel it's just like an unexplainable discomfort I feel 
in my stomach. Yeah, I totally hear you. Um, So what would you say are staples in your diet, most specifically when you notice that you're not feeling good? Is there, are there any kind of key things that you really like to eat that you enjoy that you keep in your, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner? Um, Well, I I am under the impression that this makes me feel good, which is why I eat it every single day. I eat eggs every single day, which I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but I do every single day. Um, With avocado recently, I eat Ezekiel toast a lot. Smoothies, which I'm not sure. Again, it's like I think I'm doing the right things, but I have no idea. Smoothies. What do you put in your smoothie? Um, I like to put athletic greens. The mm-hmm. Saqqara protein and greens, and then I'll do um, spinach, berries, banana, flaxseed, chia seed, and then I th- I'm thinking the milk might be an issue also because I put oat milk or almond milk in my coffee every morning and in my smoothies and mm-hmm. when I make oatmeal, which is a lot. So I feel like the gums in the oat milks and almond milks must not be good for my stomach I have no idea so I'm trying to have more like of the three trees Mm -hmm. and the malk and like the ones without the gums and whatnot um, Mm -hmm. which I started like this week so those are what I eat most of the time and then for dinner I like the quinoa pasta from Trader Joe's a lot I eat a lot of spinach like with my eggs and my pasta and then my boyfriend's like kind of a chef, so I let him take the reins on dinner a lot with like he'll yeah. do like a protein, a vegetable, and I try to add in my own like wild rice or brown rice just because for some reason I feel like adding a grain or a carb helps me digest. I don't know if it's mental or what, but those are like the state. My daytime looks the same pretty much always. It's like egg yeah. smoothie oatmeal rotation. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. And lots of coffee. Yeah, which- lots of coffee. <laughs> Um, are you familiar with the FODMAP diet? Yes. And I hate it. I've done it with a nutritionist before. I felt like nothing. So I'm Mm -hmm. kind of, I don't really want to go that route. Yeah. I totally hear you. Um, the way that I like to approach the FODMAP diet is more just FODMAP awareness. Do you have the Monash University FODMAP app? I deleted it, but I've had it. Yeah. Okay. You've had it. Yeah. I'll I'll re-get it. (laughs) No, I mean, do whatever works for you. What I hear in the like rundown you just gave me food wise, the two things that stuck out to me most potentially are avocado and oat milk. Oat Mm -hmm. milk, if you're making your smoothies with oat milk, um, is high FODMAP, which is interesting because oats by themselves, like quick oats and stuff, um, oats are fine. And oat milk in, I think, gosh, maybe like an eighth of a cup, which is like nothing, right? Maybe like what you Mm -hmm. put in your coffee is high FODMAP. Um, So a lot of people, I don't think, realize that oat milk can be causing a lot of issues. Um, Avocado would depend on the quantity, but avocado can cause a lot of issues for people. And it's so funny because the way that you were saying, you know, maybe it's the gums and the milk. Most often it's actually the ingredients that we, for anyone who's not familiar with the FODMAP diet, um, it stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols, which are long fancy words for just (laughs) carbohydrates, certain kinds of carbohydrates. And these things are in all fruits and vegetables. We love them. Um, Fruits and vegetables and nuts and, you know, cheese, all great. 
a lot of times they don't work for certain bodies because certain bodies can't digest those certain carbohydrates. And so people are so quick to point out like the gums and the, you know, bar mm-hmm. that I had because I was in a quick pinch, all of these things that are, are quote unquote conventionally unhealthy. But in actuality, the culprit is often a fruit, a vegetable, uh, a yogurt, um, the things that we would include in a normally healthy diet. So interesting. So you're saying it's not, maybe not the gums, but it's like the, but oats are low FODMAP. So why is the, like, the milk? okay, I guess yeah, my question is like, it's not, even if I had the oat milk, that's just oats and water or whatever, it's still yeah. high FODMAP. Mm-hmm. What about almond milk? Almond milk's fine up to one cup. Okay. So that's what you suggest if people like morning coffee with milk? Yeah. 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 Or even you can like a lot of people forget you can do this because everyone's very anti-cow milk right now, but you can get lactose-free regular milk and that's totally fine too. I'm so scared of dairy. I eat, but I eat cheese almost every day. So I'm not that scared, but I'm like, I don't know why, because I've had almond and oat milk for so long. I'm like scared that I'm going to have a cup of whole milk or like a whole milk yogurt, like the Stonyfield probiotic yogurt, which yeah. I'm curious your thoughts on. Like, I think they also have a lactose-free one too. I saw at Whole Foods like the other day. So, I mean, oh. yeah. So uh, one thing I – there's like very few things that I can actually pinpoint. And Greek yogurt mm-hmm. is something for some reason I eat it and I feel instantly like crampy and like mm-hmm. absolutely not good for me. But like a whole – so you're saying lactose-free – milk, not just whole milk. Yeah. So, so in dairy, the thing that would be irritating for anybody's stomach is the lactose. So cheese, most cheese is actually relatively low in lactose, but your things like yogurt or ice cream or milk, that's where people tend to see issues. But all of those things, you can get lactose free versions. So there is a yogurt company called Green Valley Creamery that makes a great lactose free, you know, dairy milk. I think <laughs> there's a lot of fear mongering about like dairy milk these days and do yeah. whatever you want with your <laughs> life. But a dairy milk from a cow is so much less processed than the stuff that's in Oatly. And don't get me wrong. I fucking love Oatly. There's a container of it in my freeze fridge right now. It tastes amazing. I love it in my coffee. <laughs> but the argument that whole milk or milk in general is, you know, crap do whatever you want. But I think if we're being realistic, the lactose is what's going to give you the issue. Dairy milk is far less processed than a lot of the other stuff we're drinking. It makes sense to me. I like to eat like whole foods and like I know where it came from. Mm -hmm. So that makes complete sense to me like that that would be perfectly great for your body. It was just it's more of the IBS of it all. Yeah, (laughs) that freaks me out because lactose intolerance was the first thing we ever knew growing up was something that hurt your stomach. So now we fear lactose and dairy, but like I'm not lactose intolerant. And you know what? A lot of people aren't. Um, A lot of people, this is kind of like a soapbox that I get on. There's so much unnecessary restriction between the FODMAP diet and the greenwashing and the, you know, this is good for gut health. This is bad for gut health. All of these things. There's so much fear and restriction when in reality, when people are navigating IBS, the things that you need to think about are spicy food, fried fatty food, carbonation, caffeine, alcohol, and then FODMAPs. And you don't really need to spend so much of your energy focusing on all of the other, at least that's what I would say at first. 
Mm-hmm. Just make it a little bit easier for yourself. Keep your mind kind of in that area. And if that doesn't feel right for you, then test out whatever. I'm all about people using their intuition and connection with their own bodies to figure out which changes feel right to them. For some people, they feel fantastic going vegan and they feel better than they've ever felt before. Is that backed up by the science about what causes IBS? No, it's totally not. Does it work for a lot of people? Fuck yeah, it does. I'm all about it. Like do whatever feels best for you. The tricky part is though, this conversation that we're having about your symptoms where you're like, I'm doing what feels good for me, but like it's not feeling good for me. Yeah. Um, And the other things I really like to look at with clients. So typically I don't work one-on-one with people specifically about like food and, you know, that side of IBS anymore. Mm -hmm. But what I would typically do with people is give people a three day and anybody can do this on your own. Um, Record what you're eating for three days and you don't need to be like super meticulous about it. The most important thing is to write out the, the ingredient and the quantity of the ingredient. So I had half a cup of spinach with dinner. Um, Anything that is primarily, you know, like fruit, vegetable, nut, cheese, keep a close eye on those things. Um, And then also in those three days, what I want you to look at is your sleep, your stress levels, your caffeine intake, your alcohol intake, your weed intake, um, and how your general mood and energy is for those three days. And what a lot of people I think come to realize is there are certain patterns that actually kind of link up to each other. And it might not just be about the food. It could very well be about your stress, the shitty thing that your boss, you know, said or asked you to do or how you slept that night. Or maybe one day you had four cups of coffee instead of two and you, you didn't really think twice about it, but having it on paper like data about yourself is going to be the best way to make meaningful changes for your unique body. I do appreciate that you say three days too. It feels a lot less daunting than like a month of food journaling. Yeah. 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 And then what struck me, what you said earlier, you have oatly in your fridge. So my question is, is that just something that doesn't bother you or are you at a point in your journey where you can now get to the healing and consume things that maybe you couldn't when you were deep in your IBS? Like, how does it, is this like something that we're going to, once we figure out what hurts us or whatever we, or what lifestyle changes we need, we do forever? Or is this something that can be, can IBS be healed and then you, you know, heal your gut and can be more of a normal person? Yeah, for sure. So I totally think that IBS can be healed. Um, Like we kind of touched on earlier, it's just a diagnosis of nothing is really wrong with you. Um, Like if you were to do any testing, doctors wouldn't find anything. It's a functional Mm -hmm. condition, which just means your quality of life is kind of shitty right now because of this sort of elusive thing. Um, The FODMAP diet is not a permanent diet. What typically will happen as you do the reintroduction phase is most people find that they are intolerant to one or two categories. Um, I did a sort of version of the low FODMAP diet and found out that galacto-oligosaccharides and me, not super good homies. So that's like beans, cashews, things in that category. And I don't go crazy on them. Like when I go to Chipotle, I don't get beans and I get sour cream and I get right, I get guac and I get avocado. What did I, I get sour cream, I get cheese, I get avocado. I feel fantastic. The change that I made is not getting beans, which like would conceivably be the healthy option to get. 
So anyway, to answer your question, most people will end up being tolerant to one, intolerant to one or two FODMAP categories. So what you would do is remove that thing from your diet for however long you feel comfortable. And then our microbiome, the coolest thing about our microbiomes is that they're always changing. Your body's always changing. And so the thing that you might have, say you went through this experience and you were like, okay, I pinpointed it and like, I really can't do avocado in this quantity. That might not be true for you in two years. You could try avocado again in two years and you're like, wait, I feel totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of that to say, I never had a problem with oat milk. I never had a problem with, you know, tolerating it. I don't drink a lot at once. Um, I never use it, you know, as a base for my smoothies. I only put a little bit in my coffee. So I'm not consuming a lot of it in large quantities, but I totally think that you can heal your IBS. And what I think that really actually looks like if we were to like break it down and define it is managing your day-to-day symptoms well enough that you can focus on the big picture and then knowing at a certain point what works well for you and implementing it day-to-day week by week month by month so that at a certain point you get to like kind of turn around and go like oh my gosh I haven't really had a symptom in like three months six months because you know your body, you know what works for you, and you make choices that align with those feelings. At some point, are you going to go out and have a meal that might totally not work for your body? Or you get really stressed and have a bad night of sleep and have too much coffee, and no one's going to make perfect decisions 110% of the time. But what I think is the most empowering kind of place to be in is knowing really well how to take care of yourself, what does work for your body, and making those choices as often as you determine possible. So in my sort of philosophy, you have your active flare toolkit, which is like, my stomach hurts, I have these symptoms, I take this action day to day. But you also have your permanent healing toolkit, which are the long-term things that maybe look like going to therapy, cutting out that FODMAP category that doesn't work for you, reducing your caffeine intake, being really, really regimented about your nighttime routine and sleeping habits, um, and being able to focus on those sort of long-term things for more time allows you to then eventually look back and go like, oh, I actually have been feeling really great. Yeah. I can't wait to hopefully get to that day. You will. I know my body. Well, so I'm going to be starting at Parsley Health next month and I haven't gotten- Yeah, I'm really excited because I've only ever done like the GI tests and they Mm -hmm. always come back saying nothing's wrong with you, you have IBS. So I'm like, I need to go somewhere for functional medicine and like figure my other stuff out. And I know that there's going to be like blood testing and they'll check my hormones and all and allergies. What are your thoughts on testing? Like I know food sensitivity tests aren't really accurate I hear most of the time but are there any tests that you usually recommend or get behind yes there are a handful of them um I love testing so I love tangible like data and information without me having to do guesswork yes and one of the first steps that I tell everybody and I know it's really really hard to make a commitment to this because so much of the functional health care is wildly inaccessible Mm -hmm. but At a certain point, um, this kind of like I put my tough love hat on and it's like you budget for it. You figure out how to make it work. You trade in – exactly. You trade in your you know cocktails every weekend and put it in a health fund and make the commitment. It is what it is. Um, And 
the tests, so 60 to 80% of IBS is usually caused by underlying SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Sounds gross. It just means that your microbiome has kind of crawled up your digestive tract and is in your small intestine instead of your large, well, in, in addition to your large intestine. And your small intestine is not designed to expand with gas the way that your large intestine is, which is why SIBO is so freaking uncomfortable. The test for that is a breath test. I know that Parsley runs those. Uh, It is an amazing test to get just to see if that's what's going on for you. If you literally picking one up from my GI and right after this podcast. Oh, really? Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, I'm I so start excited with Parsley next month and I'm just like finishing out my GI testing even though I already know it always looks the same, but I'm like picking up the SIBO test yeah. after this. Do you, when people are diagnosed with SIBO, are you like take the prescription medication or is there a way to treat it holistically? In so are you, yeah, are you doing your GI test with a gastroenterologist or with Okay, so like your your conventional medicine gastroenterologist. Yeah, I'm finishing out like all the testing there. I got the okay, endoscopy cool. and all that. It's amazing that they're testing you for SIBO. I know a lot of times gastros won't do that. So yeah. if you test positive for SIBO, they're going to prescribe you an antibiotic called Zyfaxin. It is super expensive. It doesn't always work. People don't always feel 110% groovy on it. Not always. It just anecdotally and in mm-hmm. research, um, what I've heard from clients, what I've seen through my research, well, factually, it's very fucking expensive. Uh, yeah. And it's it, yeah. it doesn't always work. It's great that you'll have that data, though, whether or not you do have SIBO, because then you can go in with parsley off the bat mm-hmm. and say, I'm holding a positive SIBO test, if this is the case. Mm-hmm. One of the most effective methods, um, you know, shown is the antimicrobial method, which is way fucking cheaper. And it's just a bunch of natural herbs. Um, you have to take them for a lot longer. I think I took it. I think, I think my protocol was six weeks, maybe, um, something like 300 pills total. I did the math cause I'm dramatic oh like that, <laughs> but um, I did that, and I also took a what what a lot of practitioners will recommend is you're you're killing off with those antimicrobials. Um, you're killing off the same way you would an antibiotic. You're killing off bacteria, and so taking a probiotic during that time is kind of hit or miss because you're killing off that thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. I took a beneficial yeast. With your your microbiome is made up of a whole bunch of stuff: yeast, parasites, bacteria. It's a whole fucking rainforest down there. Um, <laughs> I took a beneficial yeast, which I think helped me feel really good. But I also took vitamin D and vitamin B to keep my energy and mood, you know, elevated because it can be kind of a grueling process. Um, SIBO can be treated naturally. All of this to say, the supplements are things like oregano oil that contain a lot of stuff that <laughs> make your for me. It always made me laugh because during treatment, when I would burp, it would just would taste like a pizza or taste like Weird. Italian food because <laughs> oil of oregano is one of yeah. the most potent herbs that they use to kill it. So anyway, it was kind of a funny process. <laughs> but yeah, for anyone who's navigating that, um, you don't have to go the route of Zyfaxin, but getting your gastroenterologist to treat you with the herbal protocol, most of them don't know how to do that. And so yeah. they won't facilitate that process for you. SIBO is okay, great. Keep going. Food intolerance, like you said, is bullshit. Um, the 
marker that food intolerance tests test for is not a marker of intolerance. It's a marker that your body has ever experienced that food and made an antibody for it, which is just what happens. Um, the I've best way to test two different ones though, like there's the MRT, and then there's one other one, and like one is better than the other, the GGI or something like that. I IgG. IgG. <laughs> is there a better one, like between the two, or just both? Same shit. <laughs> What's important is to make sure you don't have an allergy, but IgG is – the best way to test for an actual food intolerance is to eliminate it from your diet and reintroduce it and see how you feel. At the end of the day, yeah. no testing is going to be able to accurately tell you if you have an issue. Um, and it's another one of those things where I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, the process here – is a little longer, a little harder, a little shittier. I, I wish I could make it different. I wish you could, you know, throw $90 at a test, prick your finger and be done with it. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's just the like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's just not how it works. Okay. Any other tests that do work? Uh, definitely get your hormones tested. Definitely get magnesium levels, get vitamin D, get vitamin B. Um, make sure you get a comprehensive hormone panel which might require you asking your doctor for additional tests. But also if you're going through a functional practitioner, they will do all of the juicy stuff for you. Um, You can test for leaky gut, which is just adding a zonulin test to your blood work, um, which measures for, you know, particles escaping out through your intestine, which means that they're it's leaky. Um, leaky gut's not as common as we like sometimes like to think it is. So I wouldn't hyper focus on that. I would say SIBO breath test, full hormone panel with your blood work, and then all of the sort of like micronutrients and vitamins just to make sure that if there is room for you to supplement with anything that you have the opportunity to go and do that correctly. Okay. This was so helpful. I feel very hopeful on my journey coming up and like all the testing that I'm going to be getting. I do wish food sensitivity tests were a thing and accurate. It pisses me off. Like, why can't we just take a test? Right? Like, don't eat avocado. (laughs) So that sucks. But I feel hopeful. I'm excited to also just to know that like, if SIBO or like whatever test you get at the GI, if it is positive, like there are other avenues to take rather than having mm-hmm. to just be on prescription medicine forever. Cause I'd rather get to the root cause and really like fix what's going on rather than cover up the symptoms. A hundred percent. And I, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that your GI was supportive and at least taking that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, your experience with parsley, I think will be amazing. I'm so happy that you're getting to see them. I'm so excited. It is, it's such an expense but it's such an investment. And I think once you get to the point where you're like, I just want to feel good. This is so frustrating. Yeah. You're going to make the sacrifices you need to make because once I feel good, like this investment will be so worth it. Even just to understand my body better and get the right tests. And like, I just want to like know my body. And that is the most infuriating part. A hundred percent. It's such an important mindset to have. And and in the meantime, I'll tell you something that I tell, you know, most of my clients, it sounds like you do really have a beautiful routine where you're taking care of yourself. Um, something that I think goes a really long way that not enough people do is just carving out a time in your day, five to 15 minutes to actually check in with yourself and go, what do I need in this moment? 
maybe you need to journal instead of meditate. Maybe you need to get outside and go on a walk. Maybe you need a glass of fucking water. Um, Mm -hmm. But having those built in check-ins with yourself throughout the day, you know, or having a space on your schedule that's just a 15 minute time block. You don't have anything necessarily scheduled for that time, but it starts with a check-in. What do I need in this moment? It goes so much further than you could ever imagine. I think I'm going to literally right after this, put it in my Google calendar, like 15 minutes midday every day. I think that's such good advice. Yeah. And it's just 15 minutes. I know. I know. And but then it's like you get in your head like, I don't know. What do I need? Oh, my God. I don't know myself. And I, I spiral. Yeah. <laughs> so that's – I mean, that's why I have to like take care of my mental health, which is very hard in a hustle and bustle city and also like just being someone that likes to work. It, it can be hard on my gut and my mind. So I think I need that for sure. Okay, let's go into the ending segment, fun facts and favorites. What is your morning routine? Um, I don't really have one. I am trying to get better about it, but if I can get out and go on a walk or do something that gets me sort of like out of my own head in the morning, I've really been liking reading recently. So I'll pick up and read for like, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I make my coffee. Um, I just do black coffee, black pour over, but I don't really have a morning routine and I kind of like it. Do you work from home every day? Mostly, yeah. I really like working from home. Okay, cool. What's your favorite podcast? I really like the Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast. I'm obsessed. (laughs) I love it. It's because you learn something new every single episode in so many different areas and they're all interesting. I love it. For sure. And their their personalities for me are just like this feels like I'm talking to a friend. This feels like a breath of fresh air. Like it just is always a mood booster for me. Well, it's also so refreshing that they always say – like they don't want to be surrounded by people that agree with them and like they're Mm -hmm. always bringing people from different perspectives different mindsets and that is so refreshing especially after the past like five years with the political landscape and everything it's just like very refreshing to hear people say like no it's okay to hear other people's opinions oh I could not agree more I could rant about (laughs) that forever I know okay what's your favorite workout class online or in person I love C2 at Core Power. It is my favorite thing ever, and it has been for like five years. Okay, I've only been there once. I have to go back there. It sounds perfect because it's like you get the yoga mindfulness and like the low impact, but then you also can incorporate like strain training a little bit with weights, right? Yeah, that's the sculpt class. That one's really good too. I love. Okay, when do you feel your happiest? This has been a challenge for me because I've been really trying to reframe um, happiness as something that I'm like chasing and striving for. And if certain things go wrong, then I don't get to be happy that day or in that moment. So I've been really trying to refocus on being present, which is really fucking hard. Um, But in doing that work to you know, flex the muscle of being present a little bit more often. Um, I have found that so much happiness for me just exists in everyday moments. And the less I try to chase some bigger picture happy thing and really just like be in my body, in my relationships, in my life, I, as a byproduct of being present, think I just feel baseline happier more often. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Where do you create the space for yourself to come up 
like to come to these conclusions because I mean this is a hundred percent a form of mindfulness like you can't yeah. like I'm learning so much about myself by tuning in so like what is your is it therapy like where are you yeah. tuning in to like make these realizations about yourself um so I just need to preface this by saying like I've always been this kind of person I've always mm-hmm. been a wildly introspective like I think my parents are probably like, well, you, do you ever shut the fuck up? Like about like <laughs> questions about the world. Like my mom yeah. was just like, you're, you've always been so curious. It recently for me, it's been through reading a lot. I'm learning so much from other people who are so much smarter and wiser than me um, about, I, I don't want to say the best way to navigate life, but the way to navigate life without like causing yourself so much mental harm and like always beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. Um And I think the most important thing for me that I've learned is that life is just going to fucking suck sometimes. Days will be hard. Moments will be hard. Weeks will be hard. And it's just the way that our mind likes to make sense of things and control things and the stories that we tell ourselves. And none of it has to mean anything about who you are. And those are kind of conclusions that I've come to through reading a lot more often um, and really interacting with my mind in a way that allows me to just like stay in question and stay aware. So if I'm having a shitty day or a shitty thought, old me would jump on the emotional roller coaster immediately. But things through like therapy, meditation, journaling, Mm -hmm. just thinking, being still has allowed me to create space to just be aware and name things and stay in question so that I can keep being present um, without letting so much of like my thoughts and feelings dictate every moment of my life. Completely. And it's a beautiful thing that you're reading more. I'm trying to like listen more because I, my ADD with the reading, I just like, I start reading the same paragraph over and over again. So I'm like, okay, let's try Audible. (laughs) Are you liking Audible? Yeah, I am. But I'm just such a podcast girl. Like I just binge podcasts all day long. So I feel like I get my information in, in that way instead. Yeah. I mean, that's a great tool to use too. I, mm-hmm. I It's so cool that we get to be so interconnected in these ways to the minds of other people, because it's the coolest way to learn more about how to make the path that we're all walking through life less. I mean, shit's always going to be hard, but sometimes we make things so much harder than they need to be. I know. I couldn't agree more, 100%. Okay, what would be your last meal on earth? A little more of a fun question. <laughs> mm, my mom makes this killer Martha Stewart mac and cheese. You can find the recipe online. But it's like three <laughs> kinds of cheese. It's so fucking good. Um, and then I have the biggest – oh, I, I'm really having a moment with steak. I've been craving steak like a lot the past year. So Love. I probably have like a re- really nice like medium rare steak. And then uh, – like, ooh, there's this salad at El Buco that's like a kale Caesar that's fabulous just because I feel obligated to throw in a vegetable. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I have a really big sweet tooth. So I would probably have an ice cream sandwich cookie from Trader Joe's and Yum. maybe some Ben and Jerry's and maybe like Ghirardelli brownies, but like the raw batter. What a la- – that is an incredible <laughs> last meal, let me tell you. That <laughs> Five stars. A lot of moving pieces. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm proud of it. Okay. Where can the people find you and get your resources for dealing with yeah. IBS? The people can find me on Instagram and newly TikTok. I was 
locked out Loving for three it. months and I got back in fucking yesterday. Um, <laughs> both of them are Isabel Caritzas, I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E-K-O-R-I-T-S-A-S. Um, you can find me online at goodgutfeelings.com, good-dot good dash gut dash feelings.com there's a lot of moving pieces there um and you can connect with me through my group programs i have a course called the good gut fundamentals which i teach about in several free master classes that i have all about ibs if you're looking for somewhere to start i have a ton of free resources so come connect with me on instagram and um, i can point you in the direction of where to find those there's so much out there between my podcast the free resources, the content on Instagram, the content on TikTok, you will have ample stuff to start with. I love it. You're incredible. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram. So definitely join us all there and I will see you guys next week. Bye.